0: We have something different today in this episode of Philanthropy Today. I have, uh, I guess we could say, a co-host and director of philanthropy, Mitzi Richards.
1: Happy to be here, Dave.
0: You brought a friend along.
1: I did. I am so excited that we have Dr. Megan McCoy with us today. She is a faculty member at Kansas State University and works in a very important part of the the world today. I think it's a great fit between financial planning, philanthropic giving. I'll let Megan introduce the topic a little more okay. articulately. But when I first met Dr. McCoy, I was so impressed by the work she does, my words, not hers. So I'll let her do a better job of explaining her research work. But what I heard from her was I research the intersect between financial planning and marriage and human interaction well-being okay and i'm like wow because i know from experience personal and professional that this is a very important this is very important work so i'm gonna let you megan you (laughs) You tell us exactly in your academic professional words,
2: your background. Well, I guess I would call myself a financial therapist, which is a funny word. When I tell people that I'm a financial therapist, they're like, oh my gosh, that is so needed. Everyone needs that. But I'm glad you do it rather than me. (laughs) Because the truth of the matter is most of us therapists don't like talking about money. And most of our financial professionals rather stay with an Excel sheet than have to go into nitty gritty emotion. So that's why I was able to find this niche for myself. Kansas State created the first ever financial therapy program right after the Great Recession. And so I'm I'm so lucky to be employed by Kansas State and teach financial therapy or the intersection between financial well-being and overall well-being.
0: That's a load. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I need you on a regular basis. You, you, you may have your own podcast series in the works.
2: Oh, It's, it's so hard because we're, we just have such a money taboo in our culture that we're not taught to talk about money, so you don't get a chance to learn from others as much as we learn about, I don't know, how to keep your grass green or <laughs> how to, I don't know, take care of your kids. There's nobody sharing with those details of how do you manage your money because we're not supposed to talk about money. Um.
0: Okay, I won't talk about, money. <laughs> uh, but 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 we have to because yeah. it is significant and and I find it fascinating the the tie-in between. You know, um, you know, financial well-being and philanthropy. Yes. And, and that's what we do here at the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation.
2: I love it. So I teach this great elective at Kansas State called Financial Well-Being. And in my second class every year, we talk about what are the ways that money can provide you happiness. Because we know from research, having more money doesn't make you happy. And probably You probably can think of some celebrities who look miserable. They have all the money in the bank, but aren't happy. And what we do know is that financial well-being comes from a couple of things, most especially giving to others. Like, there was once an experiment with college kids where they went around and gave half the college kids $20 and the other half of the college kids $20 and said, you guys, you have to spend it on yourself by anything you've ever wanted with this $20, which was a windfall when you're 18. And then they told the other half, you have to spend it on someone else. It could be a loved one. It could be a charity. It could be anything you want. That money has to be spent on others. And they called back those 18, 19, 20-year-olds at the end of the day. And all the people who spent on others were happier than all those college students who had bought themselves pizza and beer they were happier because when we give to others we get a warm glow that our brain emits the actual hormones that we get when we're in love that giving is one of the best pathways to happiness
0: i found that in so many different levels mm-hmm. and and it's not just about giving of finances but but you know like uh, here you know mitzi at the cfas you know we celebrate time treasure and talents yes and and I'm. I'm. I have not a not much time in my life, but I have (laughs) enough time where I can do some fun things. And treasures ain't me. So, (laughs) yeah. Those
1: those those recognizing people, seeing once a year. Megan, have you been before? We'll have to make sure you're invited next year. That one evening is full of so much joy, so much positive energy. Recognizing people in the community who do give generously and. You look around those, in, into those faces, and those are happy people. Those are happy
2: people. Yeah. They get the warm glow.
0: <laughs> you know, and, and for many, you know, like from, from some of the uh, the nonprofits, you know, it's important for them to, to get the awareness, to create the awareness, but uh, the financial aspect is is tantamount to their capacity to serve those that are in need.
2: Like there, you know, there was a funny Friends, a TV show episode about there's no such thing as altruism. And of course, we know there is such a thing as giving altruistic acts. But we also know that we reap so much benefits in giving. We know the hormones excluded. We know it creates and fosters community. We know that it makes us recognize what we do have and become grateful of that. But another thing we don't talk about in charitable giving is that there are financial planning processes around you that can actually save you money, too. So you're able to help others maximize your money and feel all those good feelings and make a difference in your community. So it's pretty much the best.
0: <laughs> so so you, you teach mm-hmm. this at Kansas State University. Is there an outreach program through the community that you uh, are associated with, by chance?
2: Not- Yeah, I moved here right before COVID, and I would love to make connections on any partnerships that would like to talk about financial well-being, the vehicles to making money fulfilling in people's lives, how to get people support if they are feeling financial stress. I'm looking forward to those opportunities, so hopefully your listeners know some ways that I can give my time, treasure, and talent, or did I miss anything? And money, too.
0: (laughs) That's the treasure part.
2: Oh, that's the treasure.
0: That's right. That's right. So if you were to outline some of the very basics uh, in your financial therapy discussions with students or, or staff or the general public... What are some of your recommendations?
2: Yeah, so it's fun. So I teach the um, electives for undergraduates of financial well-being that we talked about. How do we use money in a way that brings us less stress, that makes us feel more comfortable, that we're making sure we're intentionally spending that's aligned in our values and making sure we're giving. I also teach other courses called Love and Money, and it's all about how to facilitate financial conversations. Because when we think of financial conversations, or at least when I do, I, I have like memories of fights around money a conflict of of conversations focused on not having enough. But there's an amazing researcher, Dr. Sonia Luter, who has done research about how financial planners are accidentally making people's marriages better. Because when you have healthy financial conversations, what you're really doing is dreaming about your goals, dreaming about your future, tying your life to your loved ones, letting your loved ones know your values. And so in a lot of my love and money and money relationship classes, it's how to talk about money in a way that's healthy and happy and, and fruitful.
0: We're visiting today with uh, Dr. Megan McCoy. She's with Kansas State University, where she is a financial therapist. <laughs> and Mitzi Richards, who is director of philanthropy here at uh, the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. And Mitzi, I'm just going to kind of push this over to you because you know this is a perspective that I don't think a lot of people take into consideration. You know, the discussion, the things we don't like to talk about, money. But in the world of philanthropy, you know, um, you know, people want to be able to do things. And it's good to give them maybe some some perspective on how they can reach those philanthropic goals.
1: Dave, that is very true. You and I have talked many times about how Kansans, don't want to throw a broad blanket, Mm -hmm. but most of them are very humble, hardworking people. They oftentimes have acquired wealth that is maybe exceeded their expectations a bit. So all of a sudden they're in a situation where they have the opportunity to consider gifting. And if that takes a bit of time to really think through how to best do that and what would where would I want to invest my acquired wealth that I've worked hard to and 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 what what do I want to do with it and And what is that going to be like? Because if you've never experienced that, many of us were not born with silver spoons. So if you haven't experienced that, that is something that is a bit unique. So it does take some learning. Um, That's what I am so impressed with the fact that Dr. McCoy is sending our students out with this acumen as young professionals. Because oftentimes in my work, working with individuals, often they would look at me and say, well... You know, I do have resources to gift, but I really, I just don't really know how I feel about that. And it takes a while. However, once they do start, get down that path, make begin to invest in their philanthropic and meaningful philanthropic gifts, the one takeaway for me consistently, Dave, has been individuals, especially when I worked at Kansas State University, would come back and see me and say, what next? <laughs> you know, that scholarship we, we created, we are so excited about the impact that's making for young men and women in this college or that department. We are really excited about the capital we helped invest in a new laboratory or something physical on the campus. Now what? Because they've gotten such joy and feel so much just accomplishment personally but i like the way you put it megan they did it together often the mm-hmm. times the spouses to they this was a goal they achieved together it wasn't something that i talked to one spouse about and not the other it was a very much a joint conversation so in saying all of that i'm i just saying it's addictive <laughs> giving, <laughs> giving giving creates so much energy and joy it's addictive
2: absolutely
0: megan let's talk a bit about your students yeah because you know, like from Mitzi and, and my perspectives, and so much, and from, from you as well, what uh, the pandemic did for many people financially was devastating. And here you have students who, you know, had formative years during this COVID episode that we, you know, not totally out of the <laughs> woods yet, and, you know, and gosh, you know, keep yeah. our fingers crossed, you know, and here there was polio and monkeypox, all kinds of other things. But, how has that experience for um, a teenager or someone who's in their early 20s shaped their view on helping others
2: yeah you know it's so uh, interesting to think about I don't think we fully understand how COVID has shaped us. But reflecting back on these young adults that I'm working with in college are actually experiencing their second economic crises because they were little kids when the first one crashed. So the first time they were probably buffered slightly from their fi- parents' potential financial strain. This time they probably were not buffered as much. And so maybe they're putting into context what they experienced. I think what the craziest thing about COVID is, is that there was so much ambiguity about what's going to happen next. When is this going to end? And finances is something that we can tangibly hold on to and focus on. And so I'm hoping young people will say, if another crisis happens in the future, I want a plan that kind of puts that into perspective and know that I can deal with it. Um, One only the only interesting thing that I've seen in research-wise about young people in this crisis is that their financial taboo is actually going down compared to other generations, that young people are a little bit more open talking about finances than older generations. I don't know if that'll transform. Maybe it's easier to talk about it when you don't have a lot, because when I was in my 20s, I didn't have much. Um, but what we're seeing is young people are expressing their financial stress a little bit more openly than potentially we did when we were younger.
0: Balancing a checkbook is different.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. And that's actually a good thing. One thing I teach in my financial courses is that you can automate a lot of your finances to make life easier, to make sure you're nudging yourself to do the right thing. We've learned all this stuff in this field called behavioral finance that is these little tricks that we can put in place to make things easier. So maybe you don't have to balance your budget. Maybe you have an app that tells you when you're getting low and where you need to cut. And and automates everything from you. So you take the stress out of money. And again, your money becomes more about goals and these little mental buckets of spending rather than this huge, daunting, I don't know where to start thing. But everything gets broken down into smaller, easier little baby steps you can take towards doing the right thing.
0: There's a lot to discuss here. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I think we're just kind of like scratching yes. at the surface, don't you? I Mincy? think we've yeah.
2: started a series today. Yeah. I think yeah. we have.
0: Now, how often do you I, want to come back?
2: I love it. I love it. I hope everybody starts talking about money and I have to give a plug. These are our financial therapy graduate certificate. It's only four online courses. And if your listeners are listening and they love exploring this intersection between money and well-being, we have these great courses that are designed for busy professionals to take after work and everything is pre-recorded. And then we have live optional sessions where we really dive into how did your family talk about money? How do you want to talk to your children about money? How can we trick our brain into doing the right thing? How can we be more open and honest with each other? So they're really cool certificate and it's cool that k-state was the first ever to develop a financial therapy program really Mm -hmm. yeah it's how my southern (laughs) girl got here then (laughs) because of financial therapy i came to k-state because i believe it's important
1: (laughs) the first land grant Mm -hmm. makes sense that we would do this (laughs) i think it's excellent
2: yeah
0: Yeah. i mean it says a lot about k-state mm-hmm there's a lot of great things to say about K-State. There
2: yeah. are. Put this on the list. I agree. It, it also says a lot about our financial planning students who graduate, even if they don't get the Graduate Certificate of Financial Therapy. This idea that financial planners are meant to help their clients with more just more than just their little bank book. Their job is to help their clients find a way to use their money to reach their goals. And, and hopefully that starts with charitable giving and ends with partners having uh, like their fulfilling lives based on all the hard work they put into
0: well this has been absolutely delightful <laughs> I think it's a I'm very valuable to have mm-hmm. this kind of discussion for those that you know have you know the 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 desire to give and those that have the means to give both
2: yeah. Well, any of your listeners are welcome to dive into any of these topics with me. My email is just meganmccoy at kstate.edu. And
0: we'll have that in our show notes as well. So awesome.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Megan. It was so great to have
2: you. This was so fun. I'll be back anytime. (laughs) Awesome.
0: (laughs) Keep up with philanthropy today by following or subscribing to our podcast on your favorite apps. To learn more about the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation, visit our website at mcfks.org. Philanthropy Today is produced by Ad AstraCast. Follow us online at astracast.com.